friends, welcome back to another video slash episode of the James Red Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about this idea of making your mind more creatively diverse and maybe opening up new channels. I'm at my stand-up desk today, and this is exciting. I have it all the way up, as normally I sit down, right? I have it all the way up so I can move. Look, I'm limber. I can do a romantic dance if I wanted to. I'm not, so don't get your hopes up. But creative people are always ignored or criticized historically. You can find endless stories of creative people who were once un- not successful creative people who are now successful creative people who were once not successful creative people who are now and once not who were told that their idea would never work. This tends to be a trend. If you put us all in a ball, us humans, <clears throat> And you, we all stuck together. We create our own force of gravity, right? A few things would be true with 7 billion people in a ball. It would be very sweaty. It would be dark in the center, for sure. I feel really bad for the person in the middle. Uh, I would hope that everyone engaged in good hygiene that day before taking part in this ball project. <clears throat> but if the creative people are historically pushed over to the side and we say, that's not interesting, that's not helpful, that's dangerous. The problem with this is that creative people actually tend to have really important ideas and ideas that were once that were once creative and now are commonplace, that are part of our, our culture, right? So Seth Godin, who is a best-selling author, received 900 rejection letters in a row in his first year. He's been around eight years close to bankruptcy. <clears throat> There's another story of a doctor in the 1800s who decided that it would be a good idea to, to wash your hands before you operate on your patients. So nowadays, if you go to a hospital and they say, we don't like the chemical engineering in the antibacterial soap, we are going to take a stand. We will not wash our hands before we operate on your, before we poke your pancreas you would say i'm going to another hospital they said you have pneumonia we're going to drill into your brain you would say i'm going to get a second opinion but uh back then it was a lot less common and so this doctor said hey let's wash our hands before we we operate on the liver and he he received a lot of rejection for this notion and later on in his life he was so mentally tortured that he ended up in a mental institution. So this was a creative idea that was arguably life-saving. No, not even arguably. Directly life-saving. And it was, it was pushed away. It's pushed away is not important. Freedom of speech is something in America that we are having a lot of debates about recently. We're having debates that are heated, if not violent, you have people interrupting speakers, jumping up on stage with signs. And we have people being called racist and Nazis simply because, among other things, who are, there are also fantastic ideas, they say that freedom of speech should be preserved. That the, 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 the freedom of speech as, as an infinite importance should be preserved. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, look up Jordan Peterson on YouTube. Look up Jordan Peterson Compelled Speech. He is he posted some videos and he engaged in a fight against 
a policy that was that was and is now passed in Canada regarding compelled speech. And he has been called a plethora of all sorts of vibrant names, of which he is none of them. <clears throat> Some of them are, yeah, I mean, intellectual. That's a name that, that he is. But uh, there's that, and then there's, historically, there's people who have been killed for their ideas and for their, their, their what they feel is a good idea for, for moving forward society and helping people and, and, and for their beliefs, right? In America... Uh, we're blessed enough that if you go out in the, the street and you yell, I love Jesus, no one's going to, to kill you probably. But historically, that is that has not been the case throughout history in a lot of ways. <clears throat> so people are going to criticize you. And we also have the capacity to make up plenty of criticisms in our own head. So if we create, if, if we want to create more creatively, I think one thing that's very important is to be unapologetic about what we're up to. That if you are going to share something with the world that is meaningful, it will it will be offensive to somebody. And you have to find an internal grounding and foundation within yourself for what you're doing so that you can stand up against the people who are going to try to push you over, right? One of the most frustrating things that people do, and that's not the most frustrating, there are a lot of many more frustrating, one rather frustrating thing that people do is when they uh, they'll they'll say something or they'll do something that's helpful to somebody they'll create something that's helpful for somebody and they'll put it out there and say I'm sorry about this I don't mean to offend this is this is you should not apologize for helping somebody on a micro level between you and whoever you're directly interacting with else also on a macro societal level we should not be apologizing for things that we're doing that are helping people even if it is offensive. Right. Now, I also think it's more uh, it's important to be more risk oriented. I came across a quote that said, "If somebody, if someone likes your idea the first time you explain it, your idea isn't risky enough." Now, I do see some holes in this quote. Uh, one issue I take is that this can also mean that your idea isn't useful to the world, or it doesn't resonate with the world, or it's not. You have some blind spots in your idea. You're not accomplishing what you're setting out to accomplish just yet. A high-speed version of this is if, if uh, with speakers on stage, TED Talk, comedian, any sort of, you know, engagement, theater, the person is engaged in an intimate, in a, uh, immediate feedback loop with them and the audience. You're watching how they're reacting to what you're doing, and you're understanding, oh, I said something stupid, or that didn't resonate, that didn't feel right. And so a low-speed version of this is every day when you, when you open yourself up to the criticisms of the world. You need, to, you need to be engaged in this feedback loop. So I don't think it always means that your idea isn't risky enough. Sometimes your idea is just half-baked. <laughs> but the, the truth in this statement is that a lot of times it could mean that your idea is in fact not risky enough. It's not meaningful enough. To the world, you have to be able to uh, differentiate between those who are not open versus those who are poking the weak points of your idea. <clears throat> Coffee. I think it's also important to connect crafts together, which I've, I'm sure you've probably heard me talk about many times on here. One aspect of intelligence is your ability to pull concepts from different mental rooms in your brain and connect them together 
it's it's important to not stay in your immediate creative neighborhood to venture out and find find all sorts of scary other things that you you may not naturally engage with and this helps you create a a, a mental soup of influence in your head there's this thing that happened when Casey Neistat who is if you haven't heard of him that means that you just turned on your internet today probably he you know he's a he's a filmmaker on YouTube but he decided that he's going to place his camera on top of a gorilla pod, put a mic on top of that camera, and this is how he's going to film, right? So, oh, like overnight, everybody started doing this. Yeah, I would bump into people nonstop who were who were who had this exact same setup, and this just means he's very influential. This is nothing wrong with this, obviously, but this could be a version of people not creating a mental soup of influence that they're taking in a very narrow swath. Uh, swath? I'm going to look that word up. What does swath mean? What does swath mean? Which word? S-W-O? Neither. I'm going to Google it. Bear with me, friends. Swath. Sometimes I say words and I have to, I have to go see if I'm... If what I'm saying makes any sense to what I'm trying to say. Swath. No, swatch? Swath. 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 With an A. A broad strip or area of some. Okay, so a narrow swath. You need to... You, it's a good idea to open up your mind to to many more influences in the world and create, like I said, a, just this, this complex mental soup. And this will help you be more creative, be more intricate in your ideas. And you're constantly building this. I think one of the things that happens to new creators is when they first start out, obviously, they have not taken in that many influences yet. Or at least in an executional type of way, right? Maybe they they've followed art for a long time, but when in what they're trying to do, their 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 focus is very narrow. Their their amount of intake is pretty narrow to start with. And then over time you broaden it, right? And you can go all over the place. And this is how you can think more creatively. Another way that, that one can think and create more creatively is to watch other creators from a, you know, a vast influence of disciplines. A good example of this for me is I came across, well, so I've been following a guy named Jacob Collier for a long time who is a, mus- a ridiculously talented musician and communicator. He, he shares these live streams on his YouTube page that are like two hours long, people will send in a clip of them singing for like seven seconds. And he'll turn that into a song with like 250 music tracks. Half of them just being his voice. Just 45 different harmonies. Ridiculously complex, beautiful, but also very organized and creatively, emotionally pleasing stuff. Just excellent. I'm I'm incredibly inspired by watching these. One because I am a musician. Two, although I don't I don't practice it as actively as I used to, but I've been playing drums since I was four years old. I walk around the house and ear drum. But uh, one one reason that that is a bit difficult is because I live in an apartment. My my neighbors would show up and stab me. <clears throat> but his live stream is fascinating, and one of the things that I love about his process. Well, so let me backtrack. He's the kind of person that will go up on stage alone, live, 
and loop a bunch of instruments. He'll go over, go over here, play the stand-up bass, beautiful jazzy stuff. Go over here, play the drums a little bit. Go over here, sit down at the piano, just rip a hole in the universe with these these beautiful beautiful piano runs. And his speed is absolutely inspiring when he's sitting down and recording. Now I'm sure some of this is for the live stream. He's probably expediting some things, but his his speed and limberness as he's as he's engaging in the creative process of building a, a song is amazing. He'll 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 loop a specific section, walk over to the drums, hit record so it's just recording track after track after track of the drums. He'll just sit down and try something, try something else, try something else, come back over. So it's a very high speed process. And this is very inspiring to me. I'm like, how can I integrate this into my life? Because there's a certain adrenaline rush to it. And there's a, there's a, a creative flow state aspect to it. Coffee. So, oh, had a, had a conundrum in my throat there. So this, uh, this inspires new creative habits in me. This is from somebody who, who's not directly engaging in the craft that I may be up to on a daily basis. But I, it help, it, but if you allow it, your brain will go all sorts of different fun directions and how you can integrate part of their process in your own process. And this, is, this has been a bit of an epiphany to me lately of how, you, how simply watching other creators engage in what they're doing is immensely valuable to us. Another thing that's incredibly important is, of course, to schedule your time. Build a superstructure for your creativity, if you will. And also have a planning ecosystem where you sit down, you write out your thoughts, draw out your thoughts, finger paint, whatever, whatever, whatever works for you. List out your ideas. Another thing about the way that he works is that, let's say he's recording a vocal track. He will sit down and record 30 different takes in like... 11 seconds of just ideas that are pouring into his head. His method is what I like to call the vomit method. He gets all the ideas out of his head in front of him. And then as he says, uh, I think this is how he says it, has, he has the courage and conviction to get rid of what doesn't work. I think it's important to do this same thing when you're planning, when you're, when you're, yeah, when you're planning. <clears throat> Creativity is, is what is built on the back of habits. And half of creating things for the world is creating and and half of it is producing. You have to create structure for yourself so that you will actually produce. So that is it. I would love to hear your thoughts. Thank you so much for watching and or listening. I hope you have a lovely day. Goodbye.